every little detail. I thought like, how would I, back to my first experience when I was opening up all the CD packaging, like what would make me feel good about something that, let's face it, as a woman, as an, as a Puerto Rican, like the stigma, right? And so from beginning soup to nuts, like the packaging matters. So I want folks to open it up. They get a handwritten note from me. They, they get to hear my story. This is The Dime. Dive into the cannabis and hemp industry through trends, insights, predictions, and tangents. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Christina Lopez Aducci, CEO of House of Pop. Christina, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Pumped to be here. Too many teenies last night, but excited to be with you guys. <laughs> I don't know if there's ever too many teenies. Kellen, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Excited to talk to Christina and you know, help educate the East Coast, right? That's what the West Coasters are here for. That's, that's right. So Christina, just for the record, your location, please. I am based in... Our office is based in New York, but I am currently in Connecticut. So East Coaster. Yes, yes. I think we're doing it, Kellen. I think we're going to have to go back and tally it up at the end of the year. And I'm going to think I'll let you know. I, I, I think we've gotten you. Um, I'm here for it. So, so Christina, for our listeners that are unfamiliar about you, can you give a little background about yourself? Name's Christina. Born and raised in good old New Jersey. Uh, grew up in a strict Puerto Rican household. You know, my dad worked at ShopRite for 27 years, cutting cold cuts. So always be nice to your deli man, guys. Um, and my mom decided later in life that she was going to quit her real estate job and become a physician. So I say that because that sort of just lays the groundwork of like who I am as a person and my entrepreneurial like journey and, and just being a risk taker and just being... That's just part of my DNA. Um, and I also grew up with two uh, grandparents who were Pentecostal pastors. So all this to say, um, I was no fun as a kid and was never exposed to cannabis. Uh, and, you know, was a goody two-shoes, dare kid. And I didn't really consume cannabis until later in life. I was, you know, went to grad school, graduated, thought I was going to work in politics. Glad that didn't work out. And went to go work for the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's research. And that was sort of the first time uh, I was exposed to hearing about cannabis for therapeutic and medicinal benefits. Um, if you know anything about Parkinson's disease, some... Um, some patients suffer from dyskinesia, so the shaking and um, a, lot, a host of other things. And it was just wonderful to see um, millions of dollars going into research for Parkinson's patients. And so, you know, living in New York, I uh, started an art magazine from Art Collector. And little by little, I uh, so I left the Michael J. Fox Foundation, did the magazine full time. And we had it in Miami, New York and L.A., and little by little, my anxiety and not sleeping at night really became, was hindering my my performance. And I wanted to get off the big pharma train. And I decided, oh man, I think I'm going to try cannabis. And so my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, uh, he came over with this just collegiate gross bong. And I'm just like, oh my God, I cannot believe my first time is going to be out of this like just ugly thing that I just want to throw in the back of my closet. So the pros were that I loved... It was instantaneous when I consumed. Um, I felt like myself and I felt 
um, more creative and I was sleeping better. And it was just such a beautiful awakening, if you will. Obviously, the con was this like gross, like phallic thing that was sitting on my coffee table. And I thought, all right, well, I have this Rolodex of artists that I've worked with. I think I've interviewed over 1,500 artists. I thought, let's bring art into cannabis, right? Cannabis heals, art heals. I love beautiful shit. So let's just like bring it all together. And that's sort of the story of how House of Puff was born. So how how long after that inception of that first experience, I'm assuming after you consumed, you continued consuming, but how, how quickly after from a time frame perspective did you decide, hey, like House of Puff, here's an idea. This is something I'm going to go for. It was about six months and I kept consuming and I liked it so much, but I did not like the the experience. I didn't like the, you know, I went down to St. Mark's and tried to find a pretty pipe, pink pipe that I could fit in my purse. I couldn't find it. I went online, like, you know, this is, a, you know, back five, six, seven years ago. So the green rush was just starting to happen. And you were seeing a lot of accessories come to market, but nothing that sort of fit who I was as a stylish adult, as a woman, and as a woman of color, right? A lot of these things I was ordering online for starters came in like CD packaging. So like, check, no, that's that, that didn't make me feel good about my experience. But they were also super confusing to use. Like, which end of the pipe am I lighting? Again, I'm a, I'm a new consumer. Um, so I thought, all right, right off the bat, I started reaching out to artists, ceramicists, uh, contemporary artists, like start licensing their artwork to put them on, you know, rolling papers, etc. But the second part of that was like, I, I need to educate everybody around me. Like the women I was I was talking to, like, yeah, we we like cannabis, but like, you know, how did you even use a one hitter or a bong? Like again, back to basics, right? And so it took about a year for me to do an MVP, which we called our lit kit. And it came with the one hitter that was pink, uh, that Abuela, God rest her soul, thought, thought was a lipstick holder and, and instructions and a beautiful candle that we teamed up with uh, Joya out in Brooklyn. They designed scents for Nike and Thomas Keller and all these wonderful people. They did a custom scent for us and we sold out. And then I found out I was pregnant with twins. <laughs> And everything came to a screeching halt. And so I decided, um, you know, I got, I went on TV, I got all this press. um, And then I had to go on bed rest. And I thought, all right, let me just for the next year sit in this bed and figure out how to scale this, right? Because I didn't really know that much about cannabis. One of the first things I did was, you know, I reached out to people who I knew in New York who were, you know, like canoclusive. Those were like the first, you know, women to embrace me and sort of guide me, uh, you know, on this journey. Um, And then it didn't really take off until 2020. Right before the pandemic, I brought on our COO, Holly Hager. And uh, that's when the magic really started to happen. You want to talk us through that first MVP? What was the kind of the motivating factors for including the one hitter with the candle and kind of what else was in there? Yeah, how I was consuming and how other women around me were consuming was very much a ritual. It was, you know, you you come home from work, kick off your heels, take your bra off. You don't want a glass of wine. You want to, you want to sit in back, light a candle have two puffs, you know, I, I hate to call it a one hitter because I, I get at least three or four puffs out of it. And you just like want to unwind. And it was just such this a beautiful experience after a long day. And then like right before bed, you know, it was helping me sleep. And all the women who were our first, you know, receivers of the MVP 
the feedback was, this just fits seamlessly into how I live my life and my lifestyle. And for me, that sort of solidified, okay, if the women I'm surrounding myself with in you know our little New York bubble are saying this and thinking this way, there's got to be other women who are still in, you know, more or less the can of closet or maybe just starting to dabble in CBD, maybe not ready for cannabis per se, but, you know, women turn to cannabis mostly for wellness reasons. We know that like the stats are out there. So yeah, so that's how it just, it, it, it sort of began. And I really didn't think it'd take off as much as it did. I had to sell my art magazine to really focus on House of Puff full time. Because as we know, investors, they don't like to hear that you have multiple businesses. You, have, you focus on one, you know, and then I put a little pitch deck together. I look back at my first pitch deck and I just, I just laugh. I had no idea what I was doing. We're all just figuring out as we go. But I think the adoption is so important, right? Like exactly what you're saying. You, you found a niche, then you you looked out for con- other consumers. And it might be like women could see consumption devices like you were describing in that first story and never felt connected, right? They were interested in cannabis, but those devices might have been a hindrance for them to be like, see, it's not really for me. And then they see your device and it all clicks. And now it all feels like something that belongs to them. And I think that's so important when you're talking about building a brand to have that voice and that identity for that customer for who you're creating the product for. Yeah. And accessories were just a very pragmatic entry point for us. You know, when you're an entrepreneur, one of the first things you have to think about is like, how big is this problem I'm trying to solve? And the problem we know is huge. I mean, women are the fastest growing consumers in cannabis, full stop. Um, and so I knew I could solve the problem fairly quickly, right? Not flat, not we're not flower touching company. Um, so very little regulatory constraints, although you know, we do have hurdles that we jump through. Um, but accessories was it was very intentional. How did we blend the art with it, right? Obviously, with the art background, that's a, that's an interesting niche that you have, and obviously applying your your previous experience, that had to been something where you wanted to forge the two of them together. So was that easier than you thought, or harder than you thought? Looking back, it was easy, right? Because I, I like to say that you know House of Puff sits at like the nexus of social justice, art, uh, and cannabis, and women need to be put at ease, right, with with cannabis, especially if they're doing it for the first time, and so art and high culture, like sort of normalizes it for them, right? Especially when you pair it with beautiful lifestyle content. But art is so integral to who we are as a company. It's just part of our DNA. And we have a really cool model on how we do that. You know, we work with BIPOC women artists for the most part. Everything we do is still hand glaze, like our ceramics, which, you know, I don't know how long that's going to last as like we continue to scale. But I've refined my eye as an art collector for so many years. So I, you know, I know good design and I and appreciate artists. And so what we do is we will take uh, a product and the artist will do like, you know, a run of some, just a very small run. We'll test it out. And if it does well, then we'll put that product in, into commercial production. Um, and so we did that for our La Pipes, which was our hero product, our first product. And now we have it in eight colors, still all hand glazed here in the US um, by women artists. Um, we also license artwork. And it's a really cool model because they're not just pretty rolling papers, right? Like, of course they are. But we our artist series, we've done two so far, one with a Mexican artist, pa- Paula Flores, 
Um, and most recently, which um, I know you guys were both at the uh, event we did for Chris Wilson. Um, and that was just a, sort of a dream come true for House of Puff, where we licensed the artwork, we put it on rolling papers, and there's a give back component. So of course, we want to support our artists in that beautiful ecosystem. And with Chris, uh, you know, he spent 17 years, 16, 17 years in prison, spent some time in solitary confinement. Uh, the artwork that we put on the rolling papers was positive delusions. Um, and it was how he got through solitary confinement. And I encourage everybody to read his book, The Master Plan. And he's just such an inspiration. And so the colors and positive delusions um, all, you know, mean something like the black in the painting represents the anger and rage he felt as a black woman, uh, black person. Um and so we give back to him, but we also give back to Solitary Watch, which is an organization trying to end solitary confinement uh, in the U.S. So art and artists are inseparable from House of Puff. And it's, I think, you know, because we're rooted in art, it, it, that's why we stand out. It makes us um, pretty much different from other folks who are doing, you know, cannabis uh, accessories. That's beautiful. Can you walk us through kind of the strategy for pairing specific art pieces with, uh, the form factor, right? We were talking Chris Wilson, a specific painting went on the the rolling papers. What was the kind of the decision and the conversation that went into choosing that piece on the rolling papers? Um, so Chris, this was Chris's first foray into um, abstract art. And we were staging um, a, an exhibition at Etain. And we saw all the paintings, you know, over Zoom. And positive delusions, first of all, the name itself, it was just, it just strikes you. You're like, what, what is that about? Before you even see it, right? You like want to know more. Um, and Holly and I got quite emotional when we saw positive delusions. And then when Chris goes to explain it. So it's sort of this like, not to sound too woo-woo, but I had sort of just like this this feeling in my heart and in my gut, like that is it. That is the painting we need to... And yeah, of course, we have to get permission from Chris because we don't know, like, is it an art collection? Does somebody own it? Because then obviously that gets... And licensing is already complicated when you're licensing artworks. Um, but it's... Holly and I just have this, like, just... We saw it and we were like, that is it. It's it's positive delusions. And how cool is it that you get to carry a piece of artwork, you know, in your pocket or your purse um, that has a beautiful story, Um and and a give back component. So it's all gut. It's all, I, there's no rhyme or reason. We just, when you know, you know. <laughs> I think the level of details is really what I, I enjoy most about that because I, I think a lot of people talk the talk, but you go ahead and actually back it up with the actions. And I think a lot of people in the industry and a lot of the bigger companies would be beneficial to take a page out of your book in order to back up the actions and not just kind of put the words out there. So I want to stay with some of the tiny details. I ordered the products. So I want to get the experience. And I was blown away with opening the box, the personalized note, the instructions. It just felt completely different to me. Uh, in my household, we receive a gift from the Amazon guy every single day. There is no feeling with it. It is just a plain box. And I think that was kind of like what my conditioned thought would be when I opened it up. And I was completely blown away by the different experience that I just felt opening and just just having it. So I wanted to kind of expand on some of those experiences and those details. Like, was that always an intention? Was that something you kind of worked through? How did that happen? It was trial and error. And I did a lot of shopping, which, you know, shocker, right? That, that had to be um, tough. 
<laughs> tough, tough. So I was doing market research, but also, you know, shopping. Yeah. Um, and just like with art, you just, to your point, the attention to detail, right? The little things you, you notice in a painting, or, you know, a corner of a painting that might inspire you, the colors. It's sort of the same thing when you get a house of puff package, right? Every little detail. I thought like, how would I, back to my first experience when I was opening up all the CD packaging, like, what would make me feel good about something that, let's face it, as a woman, as an, as a Puerto Rican, like the stigma, right? And so from beginning soup to nuts, like the packaging matters. So I want folks to open it up. They get a handwritten note from me. They they get to hear my story. And, and it's just everything has been well thought out. But it took, you know, it took four years to really just hone that in. And, and finally, we got a, a fulfillment set. Enter now, which is because I was doing that stuff out of my garage, you know. Me and my look, I'm wearing a Steve, my Steve Jobs uh, turtleneck <laughs> reference to, to businesses out of garages, um, and you know, to 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 pack up all of your stuff and to send it away, and you know, trust that packaging experience in somebody else's hand. Luckily, um, we work with a woman-owned company in New York, and they're amazing and. I zoom with them all the time. I'm like, let me see how your packaging do to get wait, put the tissue paper. Yep, there we go. Put the sticker on, you know, like every little branding moment is intentional. It's so important, especially for new consumers, right? Because especially here on the East Coast, we have that stigma still. People don't understand or don't or don't know what to experience. So that first time is so important. And having those instructions, like it, it's such a, a minute detail for maybe for some, but for others, it's so critical because getting a product like that, most people are like, I don't know what to do. But a product like yours, experiencing that, I'd feel comfortable sending it to someone for the first time and they wouldn't have to ask me, hey, Bri, like, what do I do now? And like, then it gets kind of weird. So I, I applaud you for those type of details. Apple also is pretty good at packaging too with your Steve Jobs, right? <laughs> <laughs> How do we continue forward and kind of uh, remove the stigma? Obviously, that, that stench kind of continues to get on, but embracing what, what other opportunities can we do to help remove it? Listen, I think normalization is the key to everything, but you know, I, I I like to say normalization then legalization, right? That's how we get there. And the more we talk about it, obviously, when we have folks like you know Biden going on and 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 talking about cannabis, and you have you know celebrities and people you look up to, that's great. But really, at the end of the day, I have to say it's education. You just you know, the more people feel comfortable on a topic the more likely they're going to talk about it. And the more that they talk about it, the more that it becomes part of everyday conversation. Like I was talking to a, a, another parent about the other day. My, my kids go to, you know, a fancy pants private school. And I'm afraid, you know, are these parents going to, you know, judge me if they know I'm in cannabis? But you know what Christina does. Christina, just, she likes to talk about it. I'm like, here, here's my YouTube channel. You go to my blog. You have any questions? Come back and and now more and more parents are approaching me, and you know, at the parking lot, being like, "Hey, so I uh, just watched the terpene video. So, like, what kind of uh, terpenes are in my gummies? You ha- you get you get gummies? Can I get so? Can I get some? And I become like the the <laughs> the weed witch of Westport. The, the plug. <laughs> That's quite the name. <laughs> and so that's why we've invested so heavily in content marketing, right? Because um, specifically, we don't want, want to be talked to and educated a certain way. And we make it super digestible and easy and pull that friction out for them. Because once again, 
if if you're educated on a topic, you're going to feel good about it. And you're going to, especially within the Hispanic community, like it is tough to talk to Abuela about cannabis. So she don't want to hear none of that. If she sees a beautiful video of a, a manicure and, you know, not some white kid in his mom's, you know, basement teaching her how to roll a joint, but she sees me, she might, she definitely have going to have a different experience. Right. And so that's why we, you know, our editorial site and YouTube is just something that we really focus on. Have you noticed that stigma kind of changing more recently rather than in, or has it just been kind of consistent over the, since you've been doing the content? Yeah, I, I, you know, I, we get a lot of comments on, you know, our social channels a lot. It's like, I never thought I'd see somebody like you consuming. And I'm like, okay, like, you know, this is, this is how we start to break it down. And especially, I mean, with the Northeast, you know, the Northeast, we're the, sorry, but (laughs) Kellen, we're the epicenter of a lot. Right. And so we're the trendsetter. So all these other states are falling like dominoes. It was New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Virginia, you know. And and so I think with with legalization happening in the Northeast, it really is helping accelerate, um, you know, destigmatization and normalization for sure. I completely agree. I mean, there's about 18 million people that just live in New York City and Colorado has like five. So <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> And you're right, Christina, if you go on YouTube and you search for like rolling a joint, 90% are going to be the same kind of close your eyes and guess. You can see the person in your head. Totally. Having someone like yourself kind of be that face for others, people, similar interests, it it changes that perception because people immediately assume, wait a minute, like, like you did originally with the product, you're changing the idea that this is for me and this can be for me if this is someone else doing it. So... Uh, I definitely think that you're on the right track. So was that something that was easy to start? Because obviously putting yourself in that in that shoes is challenging, right? Being the face for others to look to for for continuity and for for comfort. That's that's a challenge. Was that something that came natural to you? Yeah, you know, I gotta say, I love the camera and the camera loves me. I, I don't know. I'm just like, you know, my mom shows me videos of me like performing at like other kids' birthday parties. Like I just like love to like entertain and educate. I love to share my story because, you know, I growing up, I got, you know, I was bullied a lot for being for being Puerto Rican. And I didn't really have a role model I I could, you know, turn on the TV or read about that, you know, would make me feel okay. And I feel like now, maybe the reason why I like to be, you know, on TV or do a YouTube or come so naturally is because I want to share my story. And if I can inspire, whether it's, you know, another Latina who wants to be in cannabis or just a, a college student who, you know, wants to, you know, do something else with their life and, and needs that like encouragement from somebody who's had a patchwork career like myself. Um, I'm going to do that. And so I'm also a Leo. So I'm just loud, proud, and 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 just love to dish. And it's fun for me. The only thing was I didn't want to do a YouTube channel because we were a team of two. So like we had no bandwidth, but it was a pandemic and we had, a, we had to like pivot a little bit, right? Like a lot of the stores that were carrying us closed and everybody was at home. So you have to meet your customer where they are. They were at home. And so... I honestly didn't think that the YouTube would be as big as it as big as it is. I think our how to roll a joint video has like over a million views now. We're one of the top joint rolling videos, which is like cool because I'm definitely not the the best joint roller to be like truth be told. 
but I can teach you the basics. And it, it really resonated with our community. And so investing in, in... And by the way, to anybody like nervous about like getting a fancy camera, don't. I did all of those videos on our on my iPhone. Okay, now we just started to invest in into you know, we work with an amazing videographer, but back then we had $0. So I had like a little cheap microphone I would clip and I'd clip it into my iPhone and it worked, right? Because all I was trying to do was just reach our, reach our women and 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 educate them. And and it, and it paid off because it's, you know, we've got thousands of subscribers now and it's it's wonderful to, to build that community. What's your favorite part about building the, the channel so far? What's been the, your favorite part? Interacting with other with other people, interacting with other women specifically, it, interacting with women who were where I was when I first started. You know, confused, scared, nervous. Um, had there been somebody like me on YouTube or a, a, or a, a place or social channel that I could have looked at, I probably would have been a lot more comfortable early on. But you know, everything happens for a reason. So it's just hearing the stories from from just incredible these can of curious folks and their their journey, right? Because we're not West Coast legacy. We haven't been doing this for 20 years. We're we're newbies and you can't we can't forget about that. There are people who are just realizing how beautiful this plant is. That is beautiful. This uh, just got to fuel the fire. Yeah. <laughs> does cannabis help with the creativity and does it help calm the nerves maybe pre-recording? So, you know, I am again like the type A in me. I never want to consume when I film, but then I I think our last video, seven questions to ask yourself before you go to a dispensary. I had done it so many times, and Holly was like, "Why don't you just like have a little puff and do it one more time?" And I'm like, "Oh, fine, okay." So I take a little puff, and it was of course the best the best take out of all of them. So now now I'm rethinking it. Maybe maybe I just need a little. Personality puff, hashtag personality puff, and then get on camera. You're like, it's for the content. It's it's just for the content. Because <laughs> I can't consume during the day, like working hours. Like I know there are people who do it and they need it and it's great. I I can't. I'll just I'll just be in the pantry just eating Doritos if I do that. Favorite Dorito, Cool Ranch or Nacho Cheese. Cool Ranch. Are you <laughs> out of your mind? Of course. He's cool <laughs> just setting you up for a, it's a gotcha question. <laughs> So what's the what's the state of New York, right? Like what 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 can we anticipate? Obviously, right now it's disappointing. Um, but for the people out there, especially for the East Coasters, specifically here in New York, like what can they expect in the future? And like what can we hope for from what you've seen uh, to come about? I think we are going to see a robust, competitive New York market, and the OCM has so like they want this to be a very competitive marketing, uh, marketplace, as it should be. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of creative brands and companies and people. And I pray and I hope that most of these operators and brand builders and companies are the Black and Brown community because we deserve it. They deserve it. 
And New York is doing their part and they're sticking to now. I know everybody has their opinions on, you know, regulations that drop every so often. And I actually host every other Thursday, a, a, a small group of folks and we, you know, dissect them and what we like, what we don't like, should we submit comments? But overall, I mean, the diversity of products and is going to be incredible. I went to my first grow in upstate New York and Walden, New York, and I got to say, I was so emotional to see cannabis being grown outside in New York, in New York soil. And so, you know, Cali better watch out because uh, in the next few years, we might be the biggest uh, cannabis capital. I think Christina just put California on notice. (laughs) Don't at me. So what about events? Can we expect, obviously, like an intersection of more art-based, cool events? Ones that I think, like when we hear cannabis events, I think people all go, immediately go and think of like a, a more dingy and a basement style event. But can we expect in New York a more upscale, a vibrant environment with art and cannabis in the future, in your opinion? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's already happening now. You have you know folks like Happy Monkeys throwing events uh, with live artists doing painting at the Classic Car Club. I mean, what? I mean, how incredible! They had like a thousand people there. You're going, you're going to see not only the intersection of art and cannabis, but fashion, right? With the fashion capital, with the art capital, with the you know banking capital. You're going to see so much crossover, and that's why that's why New York's so great. We've always been good at that. We're we're the melting pot for a reason, right? And just bringing everybody's diverse backgrounds, right? Because we all didn't come from Canada. We come we came from somewhere else. I came from the art world. Somebody came from you know running magazines, where have you? And now we're all doing this together. You're going to see a lot of interesting again, like nothing like you've seen before. So. Watch out. What's the future roadmap look like for you? You know, obviously, we are a brand that um, is built in New York. Uh, we were here in New York. Uh, most of our products are named after spots that I love in New York. Um, you know, we want to be, we're D to C, we're B to B. I think the next step, you know, put two and two together is, is a House of Puff IRL. Uh, and and giving customers finally the opportunity because whenever we do a pop up and they get to like touch the product and meet me and meet our team, they're just like, oh, I love it, I get it now, right? Because there's a difference between shopping online and shopping in person. So I am bullish on retail, uh, and and I know that that might be controversial, but I am. I think New York goes through it's it's up and downs, but I for us it definitely looks like a house of puff somewhere. Oh, I see. Wink, <laughs> you see wink, what I did wink. there? Yeah, yeah. I wink, did. wink. But I, I think you're right. I think like there's something tangible about touching the products. Uh, I've been shopping enough with my wife to see her touch the clothes, not necessarily buy them all, but just touch them all. And I never understood what that concept in theory was. But yeah. she said there's something different about feeling the products. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, with kind of being live with the products and experience it and then truly understanding it. Yeah. That could be a really, really awesome retail experience integrating the art and all of your products. Exactly. And it'd be great to, you know, continue to work with all these incredible artists, support our local artists in our community, um, stage art shows. Um, we're really excited for the future for sure. What is one factor statistic about being in the cannabis industry that would shock others to know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh let's see. I don't know if this is like 
you know, cannabis in general, but the disbursement of funds to to women and women of color, um, I think is what 0.8% of venture capital. 0.8% goes to us. I hate to like, you know, think about it, but people more people need to know about that, right? And I think um access to capital is something that, especially access to capital for people of color, um, is something I'm very passionate about. Uh, I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, and that stat, while a sad one, you know, I, I don't let it, you know, bog us down. We just keep on keeping on. And there are tons of investors and 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 people and folks who want to support and invest in in brands um, that are owned by um black and brown uh folks. And I think that um we need to be talking about that more. So I would say that's a stat that maybe not cannabis related, but something that I always like to mention because I want it, I want it changed, right? So if I want something to change, you gotta talk about it. Do you think that they get passed over more? Or do you think we just need more female entrepreneurs or a combination of both? I think they get passed over. I think there are a, I, a lot of female entrepreneurs doing a lot of kick-ass things that get passed over just because they're women. What can be done to make more noise about it or to change that? Well, talking about it, right? This beautiful platform. So, you know, thanks to you guys. And, you know, you've always done such a wonderful job of, of bringing women on your show. So I appreciate that. We need more of you, right? We need more platforms um, to be talking about this. Uh, we need to be in the room, right? When I go to a lot of these capital conferences, Benzinga was just at, they're very intentional. They are trying, right? They're teaming up with organizations like Women Grow and, you know, gave me a 10-minute pitch for zero dollars like let me go on stage and talk about so you know there are people in this space who are doing the good work we just need to amplify that more awesome when you started your journey in the cannabis space what did you get right and most importantly what did you get wrong (laughs) what did i get right i think i i'm gonna be a little cheesy i got right my holly hager my coo is the one thing i i absolutely got right i think um, too many times you hear about failed partnerships. Um, and I am extremely blessed and honored to be working with such an incredible mind. And I know you feel the same way about Kellen. <laughs> it's mutual over here too. I have that same feeling. <laughs> what I got wrong, how difficult some of uh, you know, advertising and marketing. I didn't realize the shadow banning on Instagram was. Uh, like a thing, right? I, I didn't realize that TikTok would strip down all of my videos, even if it was just oregano in the video. I was not prepared to have to get creative and perhaps even leave some of these social channels because we were getting booted off all the time. And it's frustrating when you invest time and energy and money and you have a social media manager and you're posting all these things, you're trying to reach your community, you're trying to to do sales and you can't. Um, so I definitely underestimated that for sure. That one agitates me so bad because people are like, can't you just do X, Y, and Z? And you're like, <laughs> yeah, if only, if only. Thank God for LinkedIn. Shout out to right? LinkedIn, you yeah. know? <laughs> but like realistically, like at any moment, people be kicked off that. And like, then you're, we're going to be here next week being like, you know what? We're sorry we gave LinkedIn any love. Like they deserve <laughs> to be in the back of the room like everyone else. Well, that's why I think podcasts are, the, are also like one of my favorite things to do. It's audio, right? You can't, very little regulatory constraints there. So um, right. 
again, you guys are nailing it. <laughs> you can control what you can control, but you need to do your own voice in order to dictate that out. And if you put yourself in position to have the big social media platforms control your voice, you know, you're subject to what they think is, is necessary and best. Yeah. 20 years from now, we will look back and say, that was barbaric. I can't believe we did that in the cannabis industry. What is that? 280E. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Safe banking, any like you name it. Like I, you know, I just that's top of mind for me because obviously we know a lot of businesses unfortunately are closing and struggling, especially the California market. And it's really sad to see. I also think that we'll look back in 20 years and be like, why did we take so long for federal legalization? Like we are talking about medicine. This is a medicine, but we cannot forget that. Yes, we like to consume and have fun and be giggly, whatever. This is a medicine first. Um, So I think we'll look back like we did prohibition in the 20s and be like, that was like illegal? What? Um, So yeah, that's my answer. (laughs) Before we do predictions, we ask all of our guests, if you can sum up your experience in a main takeaway or lesson learned to pass onto the next generation, what would it be? Don't worry about making mistakes because you're going to make them. You have to keep going, especially in a nascent industry like cannabis. Very difficult. I don't think people realize how difficult the cannabis industry is. And I, you know, we are changing the tire as we drive the car, right? It's still moving. And you we are going to have hiccups and we're going to change gears, and that's okay. Um, but those things bad experiences, especially personal experiences that go haywire, um, can help build an incredible business. And I think the House of Puff story is is a testament to that. You just got to keep going. I made a lot of mistakes, but I built this company because my own bad personal experience, right? Said gross collegiate bong. And uh, and now look where we are, right? Um, You know, we've got a a worldwide community of almost 5 million and I would have never thought that. Um, So that's that's the takeaway. I mean, drawing inspiration from a dirty, ugly bong is uh, pretty incredible. I got to tell my app to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, prediction time. Christina, what is one cannabis essential or product that every new customer should have or consider to own? Ooh, I think... I mean, I obviously want to say a one hitter, right? Whether you're a cannabis connoisseur or you're just you're a can of curious gal, I think it's just an easy, quick way to get a little puff. I also think that beverages, you know, a lot of family members of mine who would never cons- would never smoke. Um, or even nervous to take an edible when you, um, again, bullish on beverages. I think that you, you know, pour uh, the, as, uh, Jamie Evans has a rose that tastes just like rose. There's no alcohol in it. Um, I think that everybody at some point should have a little case of can or a drink or a, an infused beverage because I do think that is the future. I really do. I think beverages are are just a fantastic entry point for a lot of folks. Um, and I've seen it in my own family that, you know, uh, again, like my mother would never be caught puffing, but, you know, she'll pop open a, a, a 2.5 MG, uh, you know, a seltzer. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to say. Kellen. Uh, I'm going to go with two things because I think that there is kind of the traditional market or consumer, if you will, right now, which is 70% probably smokers. 
So I would say probably most 70% of people that are getting involved in the industry are going to inhale or smoke it. So they probably need an ashtray. This probably would be my first thing I would suggest, right? A nice ashtray for them. Um, just because it's pain in the ass, ash in your sink and stuff like that. And then I would say probably beverages as well. Um, as the second, it's just the safest form factor, probably, right? Most mm-hmm. most humans are used to consuming something that inebriates them via liquid, right? Like alcohol, we're used to it. Society's used to it. So I think that that's going to be the the easiest hill to climb for most consumers that have any apprehension for ingesting cannabis for the first time. And, and you meant to say house of puff ashtray, right? Yeah, it's like I was looking at them actually. <laughs> <laughs> and if I was uh, more in tune with the art world, I would know the name of those plates that have that same pastel color, the famous plate set from like the 70s. I don't know if I'm just making a fool of myself right now. but <laughs> I'll teach you my ways, Callan. I got you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think we need more people to do educational focus so that others can see like-minded people that are doing similar things. I think one common thing I hear now is with cannabis, I don't want to smoke, right? Exactly like you said. Mm-hmm. I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat edibles, right? There's different form factors, but that starts with educating yourself and understanding that it's not these preconceived emotions that you're feeling. And I think that starts with having a, a social figure like yourself, Christina, or others out there that are helping knocking down doors and these barriers of stigmas of saying that like, hey, maybe I don't need to have a glass of wine after work. I can have you know, a, a 2.5 milligram be- beverage can. But it, that starts with educating yourself and being comfortable with, with putting in some of the effort to go find someone that makes you feel comfortable and then following what they're doing. Yeah, well said, for sure. So Christina, for our listeners, they want to get in touch. They want to buy House of Puff products. Where can they find you? Uh, Houseofpuff.com. We're on Instagram at the House of Puff. I'm Christina at Christina Aducci. Slide into my DMs if you want. And uh, our YouTube channel is at home with House of Puff. We'll link it up in the show notes. Thanks for taking the time. You guys rock. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.